0: Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. This is the podcast where we discuss career counselling, career guidance, mental health awareness and mental health training in the workplace with your hosts, Patrick, Sally, Tina and Amy.
1: Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. I'm your host again today, Tina Winchester, and we're joined by Mark Baratimos, um, who has come back for the second time to continue a conversation that we started from our first episode and uh, there were so many things I wanted to talk to Mark about so we invited him back and today we're going to talk about the effects of sleep on our mental health and if we have time which I hope we do um, we'll have a look at the benefits of meditation so welcome back Mark.
0: Thank you, Tina. Uh, thank you back for the invite. Can't have been that bad the first time. No, I, it was good. I enjoyed it.
1: And I'm glad you came back. That's always a good sign.
0: No, thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
1: So how have you been in the last few weeks? All good? Yeah, good.
0: Um, uh, coaching clients. And, you know, it's always gratifying when, when you get results with clients. Um, so, so yeah, no, it's been been really good the last few weeks.
1: Great. How have you been sleeping?
0: Good. I've been sleeping really well. Um, You know, not always perfect um, because life throws little things at you, but I've been sleeping pretty well.
1: Yeah, Yeah, good. So tell me, how important sleep is to you, and how you talk to your clients about the importance of sleep when you're coaching them?
0: yeah, sure, so it will depend on um, what the clients' goals are, and then you kind of hit that pain point, so if they 've come to you for a certain thing, then you kind of will track sleep back to what they 've cut co- like the overall goal that they 've got, like how can sleep help you with mental health, how can sleep help you with body shape, um, how can sleep help you with energy? So I always just kind of link it back to their goal and kind of sell it to them that way a little bit um, And then to answer your question around how I do it, well, sleep is probably my number one priority. Um, So it's like, I really do think it's the foundation. It's where everything starts. It's um, if you're sleep deprived, that will regulate your hunger hormones, for example. Um, It can have a significant impact on energy levels, concentration levels, uh, moods. So yeah, I I value it quite highly. I value it very highly.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. It's the top of my list, absolute top of my list because I have sleep apnea.
0: Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah sure, so it sure. was
1: undiagnosed for um, oh, probably a year. Mm. Um, and then they were testing me for um, brain tumor. Mm. They thought it was a brain tumor.
0: Oh, that, that would have been nice. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> just that in between period. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: and uh, I had all sorts of tests blood tests yeah. And, and, yeah. and assessments for this and assessments for that. And then the GP said, and i'm not a snorer mm. i'm not overweight i'm mm. not a snorer mm. um, i don't drink heavily I, mm. I, at all i've got none of the the, the, the pointers that would suggest sleep you? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, when sure. he said i think we need to do a sleep test i thought i said no i sleep like really mm. too well i mm. said I, I, I nap consistently all the time i'm mm. always trying to snatch a few minutes up because i was tired a lot mm. um And uh, they did the sleep test and when they rang me up to give me the results, they said we had to double check to make sure it was yours because... We didn't think it could possibly be, but I was waking at about 10 times an hour, gasping oh, wow. for breath, oh, wow. starving okay. the brain of oxygen. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. It really, it was really significant. So you went
0: and did the tests in the hospital? Oh. No,
1: they, they, they you have to go into the clinic and then they show you how to set up the monitors and everything. Mm. And then you go home and put the monitors on and then it's all wireless. Mm. Okay, sure. And so they collect the data that way and then... Assess yeah. the data and they that's said, you, Yeah, I oh, couldn't wow. believe it. Okay, all right, fair enough. So, knowing how poor my health was when I had sleep apnea that I didn't know mm. was the worst I've ever felt physically and emotionally. I was convinced I had depression. I was mm. so low in mood, mm. was really irritable, and that's not like me. I'm mm. pretty even keel. Um, I was tearful all the time.
0: Mm. Sure.
1: It was sleep apnea. So, I Absolutely, between seven and nine hours, I try and get a night yeah, okay. um, of good quality sleep. I don't want to feel like that again.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, it's really interesting. Like um, just, you don't know, present the symptoms of sleep apnea when I when I look at you. So, yeah. so some people that tell me I'm not surprised, but yeah, I am a little bit surprised actually. Yeah. So it's just, um, it's really interesting. And, and the, the thing you touched on there was around your moods and energy levels and the emotions flying around. Um, there's a lot of psychological repair that happens while you're sleeping. So let's just say, for example, uh, if you're sleeping eight hours, hours a night. Um, so that's between the recommended national um, national recommendation of seven to nine. So yeah. we'll just go with eight. Um, so that first half of your sleep, there's a lot of physical repair. And the second half of the sleep is a lot of psychological repair. And to a little bit of a deeper level, it's where you get a little bit more REM sleep. So a little bit more dreaming. And when um, you go through that REM sleep, there's a lot of emotional processing and healing going on during that period. Um, also, during the psychological repair cycle, there's a lot of memory storage, which is really interesting. It's like just this fascinating thing that yeah. nature's developed where it's taken your memories that you're currently carrying on to and it will file away memories it considers not immediately significant into your long-term memory storage and then keep on to your short-term memory storage. And I actually just think that that's a fascinating way of not holding on to too much the following day, you know. So just the things that you spoke about already, I can sort of think to myself, well, um, you're probably missing out on REM sleep, which is where a lot of emotional healing happens. Um, And then potentially, and then there's the other factors around just pure psychological repair. Yeah, Mm.
1: so, so important. And yet Mm. not a priority for a lot of people. Um, And a lot of people do um, pride themselves on, I don't need much sleep you know, I get more done, I, I'm, I'm I'm very busy, yeah. and I don't need a lot of sleep, but it is so damaging.
0: Yeah, there's uh, once like what the studies I've seen is once you start going consistently below seven hours, there are side effects, uh, and they can take some time uh, to manifest. And some people will just see it as, oh, well, it's just happening to me. Um, but once you start consistently going below seven hours, um, definitely side effects. Yeah, no mm. doubt.
1: Um, why do you think people don't value sleep do you think it's because they think that it's a waste of time you know that i'm not being productive mm. um or do you think it's just a lack of understanding around the importance of sleep uh
0: look probably a touch a couple of points there which were really good so i have come across people around yeah it, it's a little bit of a waste of time um you know i kind of just thought for some reason around. Um, I remember uh, Margaret Thatcher mm. uh, having having read about her, and you're from the UK. She would brag and be mm. quite proud about sort of um, averaging only four to five hours sleep a night. Um, and we now know it's heavily linked with Alzheimer's, which which tragically she she got. You know, so um, so you've got to be a little bit careful about bragging that kind of thing. Um, um, but and the other thing around, I think some people actually just lack boundaries or need help with their boundaries mm. or to think about their boundaries. Like people are happy to sacrifice their sleep for everything else rather than getting what's really, really important. So that's that's an ability to say no. Um, that's an ability to say no to maybe family and friends and to work and so forth. Yeah. Um, but it can be around, you almost have to protect it a little bit because if you don't value yourself, um, then no one else is gonna value you. So you'll just get pulled apart everywhere.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am interested in the science of sleep. Okay, sure. So uh, what what happens to us, so when we, um, some people will fall asleep really, really quickly. So my mm. husband, as soon as his head hits the, hits the pillow, mm. he's snoring.
0: Okay, sure.
1: For me, I, I like to do meditation before sleep and I have a little bit of a routine around what I do. Mm. Uh, and I don't think I fall asleep like within you know five or 10 minutes. It's more likely to be 20 minutes for me. Mm. Um what is it that happens to us when we move into sleep and is there a good is it better to um, to move slowly into sleep or to just have your head hit the pillow uh,
0: having the head hit the pillow might be a little bit of um, sleep deprivation or the fact that they really really need it so mm. they maybe they're stressing themselves in certain ways throughout the day and their body is just screaming for it um, it can take. You know, around about ten minutes to fall asleep, and that's perfectly normal. Um, and then, what's happening in the sleep cycle? Because you kind of uh, mentioned you're interested in the and the sort of science behind mm. it a little bit. There's a, there's loads of different things happening, and to be honest, science is still trying to understand it all. Um, but at a broader level, we've got um, the sleep cycle. Each sleep cycle is about ninety minutes, and we have about five of those in a, uh, a night, right? So which averages out to about sort of seven and a half hours. Um, so the sleep cycle would be non-rapid eye movement mm-hmm. and non-rapid eye movement, there's a stage one, a stage two, a stage three, a stage four. So stage one and two is fairly fairly light. Stage three and four is a lot deeper. And then they're the four stages of non-rapid eye movement. And then there's rapid eye movement. Um, and I don't know if you've like, you've probably done a couple of sort of overnight long haul flights coming from the UK. Mm. Um, I just sort of always recall like people sleeping and you kind of just see their eyes going back yeah. and forth like that. So they're going into um, rapid eye movement sleep. And that's where a lot of the dreaming happens. Um, so that's the whole. That all happens within 90 minutes, and then you kind of redo that. Mm-hmm. Although the um, time of each stage is different every time. So the first half of the sleep, it's a little bit more stage one and two, uh, non rapid eye movement, and then and then the other cycles as well. And then later in the night, you go into the deeper sort of stage three, four, rapid eye movement sleep.
1: Um- Dreaming. I find dreaming really interesting because okay. I dream I, I dream every night. I remember my dreams every night. It's very rare I don't remember my dreams. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I can't make sense of, of a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I do remember my dreams every night. Mm. And I also, and this is really bizarre, I'm yeah. going to share it with the world, but I wake up with a song in my head every day. Okay. A song. yeah. yeah. It's not always the same song, different song but there is a song in my head every day when I wake up. So I know that there is something really significant going on for me when I'm asleep. Why do you think some people remember their dreams and other people don't? Some people say I don't dream at all.
0: Yeah. Um, people that say they don't dream at all probably would remember their dreams if they had a dream journal. So that, that is something that you can do if you're really interested and you can just write down your dreams as soon as you wake up and write them down and sort of see if there's a consistent theme. Um, what science shows us about dreaming is that um, there's a lot of emotional healing that happens there. So there's a professor called Robert Stickgold at, at Harvard University that's done a lot of experiments around that. So he's asked people to document their emotions their feelings throughout the day. And then th- a lot of those emotions will creep in through their dream sleep and then they will process those emotions and then the next day almost have a detachment to those emotions and be fresh for the next day.
1: Right, okay. Um,
0: so that's what's happening, what we know based on experiments mm. at a scientific level with dreams. Um, what, how we can actually interpret dreams? Well, there's only theories we actually don't really know exactly what's going on. Yeah. So there's multiple theories out there. Um, the first person I know of that really delved into it was Sigmund Freud yeah. um, and he talked about he talked about um, dreams being repressed wishes or conflicts. Mm. Um, and when I think about my dreams, I'm like, wow, what am I actually wishing or conflicting?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not sure. Yeah, yeah, you can take that one how you like. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your own interpretation on that. Yeah, exactly.
0: But that was only his theory. So it's yeah. only theories at the moment. Um, yeah. Carl Jung, who was a successor to, to Sigmund Freud and around sort of in the mid-1900s, um, he talked about the conscious and unconscious mind integrating together a little bit. Um, and then there's another lady called... Uh, Rosalind Cartwright who's written a couple of books and just talks about dreams just simply being what's on our mind you know so there's loads of different theories out there um, but what we do know um, scientifically just through study groups is that there is quite a bit of um, of a healing process that happens
1: yeah Uh, Yeah. so so I guess remembering or or paying attention to the things that we dream about is quite important to consider what it is that our unconscious mind is focusing on because we can't do that you know, if we can't will that on. Very hard on. to do yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. when we're
0: conscious. Um, yeah, that's right. So that's why um, you can do a dream journal, which is just – and then you can start to look at your consistent themes if it's that important to you.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't think I might do that. Okay. Because, um, like I say, I do I dream every night and and sometimes they'll, they'll – There'll be a be, lot of songs
0: in there, won't there? Oh,
1: honestly, every, <laughs> every single day. This morning, the yeah. song yeah. was a song from the movie The Life of Brian.
0: Yeah, okay, sure. Why? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like
1: I haven't thought about that movie in years. I haven't yeah, yeah. quoted from that movie yeah, for a yeah, while. Yeah. Anyway, Life of Brian it was this morning. Always look that's on the bright movie, side actually. of life. It's I love it's that a, movie. Yes, classic yeah, I'm it
0: for years, but it's a classic movie. <clears throat> but how <laughs> yeah. funny is that? Yeah, yeah. 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 So I guess um, based on what I just said, and I'm no, I'm in no way a dream interpreter, but there may be some emotional attachment there for you around Life of Brian. Maybe you're watching it with your family, or or, yeah. or it might have impacted you somehow. But yeah. but yeah, just based on the theories, that's might might be what going, what's going on.
1: See, and usually they are happy songs. I mean, I don't tend to wake up with a miserable song mm. in my head. Usually, mm. it's something quite quite upbeat
0: yeah okay I think um, eternal optimist yeah I think um, something worth talking about based on the sort of um, theme of this podcast around mental health is some people may have recurring dreams or like especially those with like PTSD and, and, and PTSD can come in many forms um those recurring dreams. So they're just not quite able to process it in their sleep and they'll just keep recurring and recurring. So um, while we're dreaming, while we're in REM, um, there's a, horm- a chemical called noradrenaline, which does not get released. Yeah. But in people with high anxiety and PTSD, it will continue to get released. Even so
1: when ju- you're sleeping? Yes. Wow.
0: So it's just hard to kind of process it. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing, like they need to process it. Because that will help them, but they can't because they're just holding on to it. So, if that's the case where someone's getting, you know, recurring dreams of a particular incident or a particular emotion, um, then they may have to work while they're conscious um, to try and heal that with yeah. whatever modality suits them.
1: And it's physiological. I mean, if you if you're producing. Um, Uh, chemicals whilst you're sleeping that you shouldn't be um that's impacting on your ability to move past whatever it is that's that's recurring for you then Mm. um you know that's something that you would need to try and sort out try and address because otherwise it won't stop will it
0: yeah exactly and just looking for a modality or therapist that that you resonate with yeah Mm.
1: absolutely um so we know with with mental health with our mental health when we're struggling if we're under stress that our sleep will always be the first thing that's impacted um difficulty falling asleep staying asleep or early morning waking Mm -hmm. um and we also know that for some people that that struggle with more severe and enduring mental illness then um, psychotic dreams are a feature too Mm -hmm. um which can be obviously very frightening and and Mm -hmm. and concerning and then that what tends to happen is we try and avoid sleeping so that we don't have um, the, the, the horrors of a psychotic dream. How long do you think a person can go without sleep before they will um, become very, very unwell?
0: Well, it's actually uh, even missing one night of sleep can start to impact the whole body, um, and then oh, I can't quite remember the statistic, but there's there's statistics around where someone's tried to not sleep as long as possible, and then they've died after a, f- a few amount of days or weeks or whatever it might have been uh, yeah. or months. Um, but I, I have read stories about it, but I can't quite recall them. Yeah. Um, but it can even one night of sleep can impact um, our, our us at a hormonal level. Mm-hmm. Um, so where you're saying people with certain mental health are struggling to get to sleep, mm-hmm. um, first of all, it's around. Well, first of all, I'd say you know the previous podcast we did is a basic level of how not to trigger your stress hormones. It could yeah. be as simple as not having enough water throughout the day, you know, and that's triggering a stress uh, triggering a stress response. Um, so, having your basic lifestyle factors in play um, will really, really help. Um, now, if you're if 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 an individual is still struggling, it's around what we said before around trying to seek assistance somewhere, or um, or just undergoing some little modalities to help you sleep. So whether that's, you mentioned before, meditation before, before sleep can be excellent. Um, so when you're meditating, you're actually producing, depending on how deep you're going on meditation, but you're producing something called alpha waves. Um, and alpha waves are the first part of the the sleep cycle anyway. Um, so you're kind of easing yourself into it. So meditation can be excellent before sleep. Um, some journal writing can be really good. Um, even like certain essential oils, so lavender oil is really good sleep aid. Um, so there's these little things that you can do to sort of help you get a better night's sleep. Um, there's many tips, to be honest, even things around no light exposure, um, decreased electronics in the room, um, which can actually just sort of stress the system a little bit, um, having really good nutrition. So if you're having sort of stimulants throughout the day, that can affect your sleep at night. Um, yeah, all those f- sort of tips. Yeah, so good mm.
1: sleep hygiene. What's
0: sleep the worst
1: hygiene? thing? That, that, that If someone says, um, you know, I'm really struggling with my sleep, Mark. I, um, I fall asleep like really, really well, and then within a couple of hours I'm awake and I'm worrying about the next day, and I'm thinking, oh, go to sleep, go to sleep, you've got to go to sleep because you've got to be up for work in the morning, and then I'm fitful and restless, Um, and then when I do eventually fall asleep, the alarm goes off and it's time to get up. Yeah, yeah, sure. What kind of things would you be suggesting?
0: Yeah, so I wouldn't say there's a patch job there. I would say it's around getting to the underlying cause. So again, um, lifestyle factors would need to be pretty good, especially um, managing blood sugar levels. So if you're having sort of, um infrequent meals throughout the day or just carbohydrates in isolation Mm -hmm. um throughout the day and not really balancing it out with a protein or fat um, then you can get blood sugar crashes while you're sleeping now where you get a blood sugar crash while you sleep then that will then trigger a cortisol response of hey look you need to go get some food and you can sort of wake up quite hot Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's one thing that sort of really needs to be managed. The other thing would be around just general, aside from the lifestyle factors we spoke about a few weeks ago, general stress management um, where people like, oh, I've just got up and I'm really, really hot. So again, maybe just writing it all down, doing a little bit of meditation, just really trying to calm yourself down a little bit. Um, there's also another thing which is a little bit more on the eastern medicine side um, for those that are interested and that's around uh, what we call the chi cycle so certain meridians really work harder in certain times of the day so if someone's consistently waking up at two o'clock or so consistently waking up at three o'clock i would suggest to just type chi cycle into into google you'll see a couple of good maps and you'll see oh what organ is this what organ is this working?
1: Yeah, right. Well, that's interesting.
0: So, what organ is stress? <laughs> so, a classic one is between one a.m. and three a.m. Um, is when the liver is really detoxing. So, if your liver is under stress or load, um, then you can wake up. It's just working so hard to detoxify. And then in Chinese medicine, the liver is linked with well, you know, it's linked with detoxification, um, but also a few emo- different emotions as well. So, you might be like, oh, maybe I'm holding on to anger or something like that.
1: Yeah. No, I have I have read a little bit about that, and I do find that. Fascinating. Um, which which is a good segue into asking about shift workers then. Oh,
0: shift work. Oh, yeah. interesting.
1: So it, so if 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 around. Between one and three, you know, for example, the, the liver's working very hard. Would that be the same for shift workers or would it be reversing and during the day when they're sleeping?
0: Yeah, um, it's a tricky one for shift workers. I, I'm not sure around the chi cycle for shift workers um, because their sleep patterns are everywhere and there's not many shift workers if they're doing overnights that it's not normally consistent. Normally the I've only ever come across uh, employers that cycle them out so they'll do overnights for a little bit and then during the day for a little bit. Um, so it's always a little bit inconsistent. Um, so with shift work um, it's really important to keep all your like manage your stresses really well because the um, the, the throat, like your sleep being disrupted is enough of a stress on the body. So you've got to manage all your other stress factors really well. All your, Well, all your lifestyle factors are going to be really good. Um, your stress management techniques are going to be really good. Uh, and then you can ideally use things like we spoke around, um, having a really dark room, uh, maybe having like lavender oil as like a little bit of a sleep aid and just really trying to get um, good quality sleep that way. Um, I'd also say for shift workers, there's a little bit of a risk reward thing. Like how much do you love your job? Um, Because it will, it will be damaging to your health. um, But then it's also damaging to your health if you give up a job you love. You know, so um, if you really love your job and enjoy it, then fair enough, you just got to manage it. Um, but if you're kind of like, oh, I don't like this job and I'm doing this shift work, I'm just doing it for the money, then that's a decision you're going to have to make around, okay, maybe I have to start looking at other options. Uh, yeah. Hmm.
1: So if you are a shift worker then uh, and you're sleeping during the day, then try to recreate a nighttime atmosphere. So very, very dark um, you know, no, no noise if possible mm. around you. And, yeah, um, spot on. Yeah, yeah, yeah spot on, the, spot on. Try and get your eight hours ideally. Try
0: and get your eight hours there, yeah. yeah. So, um, and you know, like I've got clients that love their job and it requires shift work mm. and, and, you, and I would never try and take that away from mm. them. So it's just around... Managing other lifestyle factors as well as possible, having really good sleep hygiene, um, utilizing naps really well as well. I oh, know
1: that. See, I love naps.
0: Yeah, yeah, so do I actually. I,
1: re- I really, and obviously <laughs> I when naps, I yeah. had, when my sleep apnea wasn't diagnosed, I was napping everywhere, yeah, all yeah, the sure. time, every opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, so, are you a fan of naps?
0: Yes, uh, I love naps personally. Um, now, there's, what we know with naps is you know, best to have them in terms of like the circadian rhythm, really good mm. to have them at about 11 a.m. and around sort of 3 p.m. But right. I would say there's no hard rule on that one. Yeah. Um, sort of if you can take one, you can take one. And then the other thing is around, um, ideally you'd have them for around no more than 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, Cause then you can start to go into a deeper sleep cycle. Mm. Um, so if you go into a deeper sleep cycle, it can be harder to wake up to start with. Yeah. And also disrupt the sleep cycle of that night.
1: Oh, it, and it so it does. There is some truth in that. Yeah, it? so
0: it can actually do that. Yeah. Now, this is a little bit of art versus science because then we're talking about, you know, you had sleep apnea, for example. So, um, you know, you would have needed to bank as much sleep as you can at some points. Uh, we're talking about mothers with newborns. Um, you know, if they tell me, you know, if I tell them, I can only take a 20-minute nap during the day. Yeah, yeah,
1: they can smash your head <laughs> in, Mark. <laughs> they're going to be coming for you. You try dealing with this six-month-old,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it is a little bit of art versus science as well, but yeah. they're very beneficial. Um, it's an excellent refresher. Um, yeah, yeah, very good.
1: And some countries, and I, and I might be wrong with which country, it is, I, I think it's Japan, they, um, they really advocate for power naps through the day.
0: Yeah, it's it's becoming more popular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, you know, I'm Greek heritage, so um, they used to really love their naps. They've CS kind of sort did. of changed that a little bit uh, over the last few years. But yeah, but, um, yeah it's part of just some cultures uh, yeah. where they have a late night culture, yeah. uh, then they have their naps during the day. Yeah. Um, but there's kind of, I can't quite remember, but there's um, certain chemicals that, when you're feeling really tired throughout the day, they just start compounding in your head. Mm. And when you have the nap, they kind of all just get released and dissipated. So when you're feeling tired, it's really two things. It's like that kind of effect. And also just um, the circadian rhythm of the planet, like, you know, the fact that the moon's going, going up and and the fact it's getting dark and that kind of stuff.
1: How would, and this might seem like an odd question, but how would someone know if they were sleep deprived?
0: Yeah, good question. Um, there's there's loads of different tests, you know, and, and you yourself have probably went through some of those tests. Um, there's there's uh, So, there's tests you can do at hospitals and clinics and so forth. There's even a little test you can do at home, um, which I haven't done for quite a while, but, but there's a, a guy that actually discovered REM sleep, a guy called, if I remember it correctly, Dr. Uh, Nathaniel Kleitman at uh, University of Chicago, I think. Uh, in the early 1930s, 1940s. Um, he actually discovered REM sleep and also developed a test for sleep deprivation.
1: Is that a uh, a metal tray and a yeah. and a spoon. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you know I, don't, it. I, don't, I don't. They didn't use that yeah, technique yeah. on me, but yeah. I have heard of that. Where you put the metal tray on the ground, yeah. Yeah. hold the spoon in your hand, lay Spot down on. on your bed, and when you drop off to sleep, the the spoon will hit the metal tray and wake you, and then yeah. you can see how long it took to, to go to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So.
0: Yeah. Um, there's a table, uh, and I'll try and recall it um, that that he he developed, and I think it was around. If you can last more than fifteen minutes, then you're not considered. It's around fifteen minutes. Yeah. You're not considered sleep deprived. But if it comes, if if the spoon drops before then, um, then there may be some sleep deprivation mm. going on there.
1: Yeah. So and and then. Uh, the impact of sleep deprivation, as we already kind of touched on, is really it can be hugely impactful. It can affect your uh, concentration, affect your memory, affect your mood, mm. um, affect your ability to be productive at work. Sure. Um, you can be irritable, um, you know, behave out of character.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's even um, there's even like for people that are dealing with sort of machinery, mm. um, there's even some good studies out there that show that um, once you start getting a little bit sleep-deprived like – like if you're, awake, if you're awake more than 16 hours, so you go to that 17 to 19 hour mark, mm. um, you, can have, you can demonstrate the cognitive and machine, machine ability of about someone with a blood alcohol concentration level of 0.05%. You know, so al- already your coordination is starting to go off a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it can even affect like coordination and mental yeah. uh, uh, um, motor ability as well.
1: We have on the Mental Health First Aid standard course, we have um, videos from people that are talking about their own experience of mental illness. And there's okay. a lady called Dr. Meg Smith, who talks really candidly um, in one of the videos about how she can, how, her, the insight that she has when she's developing psychosis. Mm. And she talks about accelerating inactivity and, and, and those kinds of things, and then sleep hugely impacted and she talks about how i mean i've watched this video a million times obviously delivering the course Um, sleep will go from eight hours to six hours to four hours to not needing to sleep at all. Mm. And then that really accelerates the symptoms. Mm. As soon as you start to deprive yourself of sleep Mm. and then not sleep, Mm. um, it it inevitably will will accelerate symptoms of of poor mental health.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and, and she's 100% correct. Um, the, The challenge there is that, Um, the stress hormones, they're overriding um, your sleep hormones. So mainly sort of melatonin. So if you can think of it from like an ancestral sense, um, if you're about to go to sleep, and there's a pack of lions right next to you, mm. um, you just don't want to go to sleep, right? Yeah. Like your survival is a lot more important. So modern day we're sort of seeing things as a threat to our survival and mm. our stress hormones are just pumping so high yeah. um, that it's actually impacting our sleep, whereas, um, you know, it's it's just a stress to hopefully be managed yeah. um, because it, it, the body will um sacrifice sleep if it's really highly highly stressed. Yeah,
1: for sure. Mm. It's primal. Um another guest that we had um that really advocates the importance of sleep um was Alan Sparks. He he oh, he was just amazing. He's one of the most decorated police officers in Australia. Um a really successful career um in New South Wales police and he became unwell um, with his mental health and developed post-traumatic stress disorder and and other mental illnesses and and was suicidal. And he talks very openly about that in the podcast. But he... He dedicates his life now to uh, working for the New South Wales Mental Health Commission as a commissioner, mm-hmm. um, doing awareness talks and training for people about mental illness. And he said, and you can hear the podcast, hear him on the podcast talk about this. He said that when he was becoming, he was chronically stressed, and when he was becoming very unwell, which he didn't know he was becoming very unwell because often we don't, we don't have yep. the the knowledge. Um, he said that his sleep had been impacted for some time. And then he went for almost a week with no oh, wow. sleep.
0: Yeah, wow. And he said,
1: when I look back on that, he said, if, if I had known how damaging that would be mm. to my mental health and that it would plunge me into a mental illness, mm. I would have dealt with that immediately. And I would have gone to see my GP and said, can you please help me do something about my sleep? Yeah, sure. And he relates his... Very rapid decline to becoming suicidal to that lack of sleep. And, yeah, and sure. talks really openly about it.
0: Yeah. And, and like we spoke about, there's a lot of psychological repair that happens, uh, especially like yeah. around the emotional side, um, memory, um, things around empathy. Um, yeah. That all happens while we're sleeping. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Mm. I, but it's, yeah. It's, it's easier said than done, though. So, you know, he was obviously in high stress. So it's around just managing the stresses as best as possible.
1: And noticing the early triggers. Noticing the early triggers. So the sooner sooner we um, address the early triggers, the the better our outcomes are likely to be.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's very easy to ignore um, the early triggers. Um, It's just easier to sweep it under the rug. Oh yeah, whatever, I'll I'll take care of that at some point. But um, if you do, it often bites you back.
1: Yeah, and see, people tend to say to me um, when I'm out and about doing um, mental health awareness workshops or mental health first aid, how do I know, they say, how do I know if... It, this is just a normal reaction to the stressful things that's going on in my life or if it's a decline of my mental health and that I'm at risk of developing a mental illness. And the best way that we can really, you know, the, the suggestion that I have is um, around impact and duration. So how much is this impacting on your life, on your ability to work and study and maintain relationships and how long has it been going on for? Because if it's more than two weeks... That's when we need to be um, seeking some advice from someone that might be mm. able to mm. to intervene and, and give us some help uh, any longer than that. And I also read and going off track, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, an article recently, I think it was from Beyond Blue, that the average amount of time that a person will endure um, uh, an anxiety disorder before they seek treatment is eight years.
0: Oh, wow. Eight
1: oh, years. Wow.
0: Yeah, it's massive. Impact yeah.
1: and duration, impact yeah. and duration. How much is it impacting on your life yeah. and how long has it been going on for? Two yeah. weeks is too much. Eight years. Yeah, and
0: some people just probably feel as though it's just normal. you know, yeah. and, and, it, and it probably comes on slowly and just keeps creeping on, creeping on, creeping on. But, yeah. um um, which is fantastic. Well, it's fantastic that um, there's so much awareness in mental health now. Yeah, um, so absolutely. hopefully um, people are catching a little bit earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah. How long should I be putting up with this for? Not that long. <laughs> not that long. Definitely not. <laughs> um, vivid dreams. So I know that one of the symptoms that we can often experience, and I'm, this is true for me too, is when we're under stress um, or um, we're experiencing anxiety, we can have very vivid dreams um and dreams that that the feelings kind of stay with us the next day Mm -hmm. do you think that's because we're having difficulty processing the emotional stuff that we need to um during our sleep or do you think some people are just more prone to that than others
0: um well as you touched on before some people are just better at remembering it uh and then some of the emotions might be so strong that it might take a little bit of time to process and just can't be caught um all in one night's sleep. Now, what's really interesting, um, people that are sleep-deprived and they might get a good night's sleep at some point can have very vivid dreams. Mm. Um, so, it's almost like a catch-up because they've missed out on their REM sleep. And normally, the body will catch up on where it's most deprived. Um, so, there's a lot of catch-up with um, In that regard, also people that are having um, like I'll I'll go around sort of substances and some medications Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I had a few wines and just knocked out. Um, That normally doesn't give you the full night's sleep either. It's a little bit more of a knockout effect Mm -hmm. as opposed to um, the – you know the brain waves and so forth Mm. doing their real work so people that are having you know maybe having a few drinks before bed and not really remembering their dreams and all of a sudden stop having a few drinks and they're like oh i'm just having crazy dreams at the moment yeah um it's just a catch-up effect
1: oh that's so interesting yeah Mm. yeah um yeah i i don't do that (laughs) (laughs) what about sleepwalking
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't know too much about sleepwalking, to be honest. I know um, I know it's linked with a certain part of of the brainwave activity. Um, I believe it's uh, the theta brainwave, um, but I don't know too much other than that. In yeah. all honesty. yeah,
1: it's a it's a bit of a mystery. Um, I sleepwalk okay. as well. All
0: right, fair enough.
1: <laughs> I'm really div- and everything, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's many times that if I'm under stress, um, I've got lots going on, um, you know, trying to juggle everything. Um, I will wake up in the kitchen. Oh, okay. Not even remember being there, okay. and as a kid, I would mm. I would sleepwalk as well. And, and oh wow, yeah, oh, wow. That's yeah, so isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. Not for my poor husband. Yeah, yeah, sure. He said because I, I I talk in my sleep and um, I'll say odd things. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll think that I've got you know there's a spider and mm. I'm jumping to get away from a spider or I mm. see people and they, you know all of those kinds of things. And my husband says he just pulls up the the covers right up to his neck, closes his eyes really tight, <laughs>
0: waits <laughs> for it to stop,
1: and then I'll be he, waking him up and saying, wake up, wake up, and saying something really odd, like, the shiny bike is on my knee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I can't get all the flamingos in the boat, yeah. I told him one day. So according night. to
0: Freud, there you're on, right? <laughs> yeah, your repressed wishes and
1: conflicts. God, uh, okay, honestly, you could have a field day with me. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and if I disclosed my dreams, it'd be crazy. Right? I don't I don't know why I, you know, was riding a pink elephant across Antarctica the
1: other day, but it just happened. Oh, happens. fabulous. <laughs> See, it's really interesting. It's everyone. It's everyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I I absolutely love that. All right. So, can we just maybe um, just go over again in a bit more detail um, the things that that will hinder a good night's sleep, okay, so, sure, and and then the things that will that, that will likely contribute to improving our sleep.
0: Okay, sure. Um, so we'll just go through some tips then. Yeah. So, so um, you know, the lifestyle factors we spoke about uh, a few weeks ago would be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, nutrition can be really important. So, um, again, if you're having sort of stimulants or not balancing your blood sugar levels, yeah. that can really affect your night's sleep. So, you know, it will have adverse effect on your sleep hormones. Um Even to an extent where high quality nutrition, we spoke about uh, a few weeks ago, um, 90 to 95% of serotonin is produced in the gut. Mm -hmm. So if you've got really good gut health, you're producing really good serotonin and serotonin is a precursor to melatonin, which is then the sleep regulation hormone. Um, So that's where nutrition can be vitally important. uh, important. So balancing your meals out throughout the day um, for blood sugar reasons and then having high quality um, to avoid any kind of stimulation and also get that serotonin production going really well.
1: So not having a huge meal, obviously, before you go to bed, not your main meal like a big main meal before you go to sleep, that's not a good idea, is it? Yeah,
0: uh, it's ideal to have probably about a medium-sized meal. Mm. You know, you might really struggle to digest a big meal, potentially put that on as, as body fat as well. Yeah. Uh, and if there's a high carbohydrate component to it, that might wake you up as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, ideally it's be about a medium-sized meal. Now, it's real cultural to have a big-sized meal mm. and sit around and, and talk to everyone, which I think is fantastic. I think yeah. that's very healthy to go yeah. home and sort of talk about your day. Um, but just having sort of controlled meals throughout the day. So you don't really indulge at nighttime.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, is there any truth do you think in the, is it a myth that if you have red wine and cheese, is going to affect your sleep?
0: Yeah, good question. Um, the red wine, I can't quite remember. I think that's more around the knockout effects. Mm. Um, but cheese and like, you know, Turkey, I can't remember my mind's just going back to that Seinfeld episode where, um, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, I think, is is dating a girl and he wants to knock her out to to play with her toys, and so he gives her turkey and wine and so forth. So, um, what we're talking about there is an amino acid called uh, tryptophan, yeah, uh, and that is a um, a building block that helps build serotonin. So that's yeah. what we're talking about. So certain foods are heavily linked with serotonin yeah. production, um, but to be honest. It's really just linked back to general gut health because yeah. if your general gut health is not good, you know you can have all the sort of foods linked with serotonin you like. It's just not going to get digested properly
1: and yeah. processed properly.
0: So, so, so the th-
1: balance is hugely important for that because if we if we generate too much serotonin, it can lead to anxiety. Yeah. You know, then yeah. then you can have you can be really chronically anxious. Oh, look, and then it and can it, affect your appetite, and, yeah, and yeah. then you won't, won't want to eat because yeah. you don't have any appetite, and then you yeah. can lose weight, and then there.
0: Yeah. So there is some truth to yeah. it. Um, yeah. but you don't necessarily need to overindulge and just need to focus on good gut health, really.
1: And um, what about a warm, milky drink?
0: Yeah, same thing. So so yeah. um, that's seen to be high in um I can't quite remember. It's I think it's called tryptophan. Tryptophan, the amino acid tryptophan. That's also high in that. Yeah. And that will then sort of lead to a little bit more serotonin production, then a little bit lead to a little bit more melatonin production yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden you're having a better night's sleep. Yeah, so, okay. Um, so yeah, that's where the link is and that's like a really good tip for getting a good night's sleep. The other ones would be around um, the bedroom hygiene that we spoke about, yeah. so just around dark so anything any kind of light on your skin mm. will send a signal to your brain to say hey look there's still some light around you might need to still be alert yeah um so ideally sort of closing off any light yeah. um electronics can really sort of rev up the system a little bit mm-hmm. um so you meet, might need to shut off certain electronics yeah um and then there's um around the stress management stuff as well
1: yeah okay um some so i'm gonna I come back to me as an example again um I am an early warning waker. I will wake at five. I go to bed at nine Mm. and I will wake at five. I don't go to sleep at nine. I usually aim to do a meditation and all of that and, and then by half past nine eyes shut, ready for bed. Yeah. Um, but I'm a really early waker, awake at five, and I'm wide awake and I'm really, really productive and I'm ready to start the day. And I get loads of things done in the morning before I leave for work. Um, and then I, by about half past six at night, I'm really winding down. Like I'm, My energy's, mm. you know, I, I've, I'm depleted really. Um, do you think some people are just... Um, made that way you know some people are just uh, early early risers and others are are night owls or do you think it's a something that we become it becomes habit
0: um yeah good question so there's a concept called chronotypes Um, so people can be a different chronotype which is like essentially an early morning person sort of like a mid person and a late night person Um, so they're kind of classified as um, larks would be like a bird in the early morning then you've got your hummingbirds throughout the day sort of just go on sort of you know mid pace and then you've got your owls at night time so there's that sort of broad like concept of those three sort of categories so you might be a little bit more of an early morning person by nature yeah Um, it's also kind of hypothesized or or postulated that it might be more linked to genetic as well. So, you know, people that have come from cultures of late night, they just might generally be late night people. Yeah. So some people are definitely suited a little bit more early morning. Some people definitely suited to a little bit later night, um, later morning. Yeah. Um, But you can also train yourself a little bit as well. Um, So I wouldn't say it's a hard and fast thing, but people can also train themselves in certain ways if if their lifestyle dictates that way.
1: Yeah, and teenagers obviously will – need longer sleep yeah. so they they need more than than the the, sure. the, the eight hours yeah, they need yeah, about sure. 10 is that right yeah anywhere between eight to 10 yeah is
0: the, is the recommendation yeah. and
1: um they just naturally seem to be awake later at night and less keen to get up early in the morning you know, it's yeah a, it's
0: a, yeah a, a lot of teenagers of the hormones are like that. and
1: the chemicals we what we say our our girls are on la time yeah. And we're okay, all sure. going to sleep and they're all just wide wide awake.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting around teenagers and even around um, seniors. Um so seniors right. generally go to bed a little bit earlier. Um it's not completely understood why, but it's just kinda happening. Yeah. Um and then seniors also it's a little bit of probably a myth that they need less sleep Um, they still probably they still need that recommendation of between seven to nine Um, some seniors just might not be getting that due to um, other factors like you know constantly on the bathroom you know maybe a little bit of a a weak pelvic floor and and they just can't contain Um, and then the teenagers yeah it's not quite on a sort but definitely there's those trends around them going to bed late and I think there's even some schools around the world that have sort of started their school times late to accommodate for that.
1: Oh, it makes sense. It mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Um, can you add your nap time to your nighttime time to make up your eight hours? So if somebody says oh, I get six hours at, at, at night, but I tend to nap for a couple of hours in the afternoon. Would that add up to your recommended eight hours?
0: Um, I probably wouldn't, uh, the the ratio you just gave is pretty dramatic. So I wouldn't say that that would sort of cover it Yeah. um, because our bodies are still very much in touch with the circadian rhythm of the earth. Circadian rhythm being that sort of moon sun 24 hour cycle. So when the moon starts going down or the moon starts coming up and Mm -hmm. the sun starts going down, um, our hormones are very much regulated that way. And that's just when we're going to get the deepest best sleep during that period. So around about anywhere between, you know, 10 PM to 6 AM. And you mentioned, you know, 9 PM to 5 AM, which is around about that ballpark and and you're an early morning person, right? So, um, so that's where the best deep, um, restative sleep comes from during that period when it's nighttime, that's what your hormones are in touch with. Um, um, so having those naps throughout the day should more be around a little bit of a kicker as Mm. opposed to a, um, as opposed to a, hey, look, this has to make up the total thing. Yeah. Now, what science shows us is that um, very difficult to make up sleep fully, very difficult to make up lost sleep fully, um, mm-hmm. can't really happen, um, is what the science currently mm-hmm. shows anyway.
1: What about full moons with the circadian rhythms? Does the full moon um, play a role, do you think, in people's sleep patterns and affect sleep?
0: Uh, I have to be honest, I'm not really aware. Yeah, uh, okay. I have to be honest, I'm not really aware of that one. Um, yeah. I know that you hear some crazy stories, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't really know.
1: No, mm. I was just just curious because, um I mean the full moons do affect moods is there's no doubt about it. it's where the yeah, term, where the term lunatic comes from yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah 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 yeah
0: exactly, and um, I've had a client in the past that uh worked in a aged care home with dementia patients and and yeah, they just they just said just off the wall, yeah it um, definitely during full impacts yeah. I was just
1: curious about the sleep thing mm. um okay, so meditation, if we can just maybe briefly touch on meditation okay. yeah sure. um before we wrap up uh, in terms of our, the uh, benefits of meditation for us maintaining good um, uh, stress levels throughout the day, which inevitably is going to impact on, on good sleep. Mm. With meditation, sometimes people will say to me, um, you know, I've been trying meditation and it just, I just go to sleep. So I, I've been doing a meditation before bed and I'm, it's a guided meditation and then I just go to sleep. Do you, do you think they're going to get any benefit from From that, or is it just you're just going to sleep? Yeah, you're
0: just going to sleep. So so sleep and meditation, there is some crossover in what it does, Mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't say one can replace the other. So um, if that's helping them get to sleep, um, then that's fine. But then they're going into a sleep phase. They're not really going into a meditative phase. So meditation... Um, is different subjectively because you're actually doing some introspection work um, and also at a physiological level. So brainwave activity is not quite the same. Um, at a hormone level, it's not quite the same e- either. And even at a cellular metabolism level, it's not quite the same. So so there, mm-hmm. is, there is some crossover though yeah. in terms of the brainwave that, brainwaves that are being produced, um, but not exactly the same thing.
1: So when is the best time to meditate before sleep? To, um, to really get the benefits of meditation for, for a peaceful night? Would it be um, just prior? Would it be 20 minutes prior? What, what would you recommend?
0: Um, it will depend on the individual. So, so the ideal times to meditate, and I would probably say the ideal times actually just when you can do it mm-hmm. um, But because it it's, can be so hard for people to bring it in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ideal times are when the sun first rises and when the sun starts going down. Yeah. Um, so, so that's when the energy field is strongest. Um, but then uh, other than all of that, it would depend on the individual of when they can when they can actually fit it in so if they want to meditate but they keep falling asleep and it's like hey look you might have to do it a little bit earlier yeah um, right and so when you start meditating like i said you start producing the alpha waves and then when you start falling asleep you start producing alpha waves so it's a very similar concept yeah. and that's where the brain's just like oh you know what I'm just gonna knock off to bed here so yeah. so that's 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 what's happening there mm.
1: and for people that um, are thinking about trying Meditation for the first time. um, Particularly if sleep is an issue for them, getting to sleep is an issue for them. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the best way do you think for people to start? Would it be listening to a guided meditation or, or would it be getting an app or, or what's the best kind of way do you think?
0: Yeah, look, it's a really good question. So um, some clients um, will have or some people will have what I refer to as monkey minds. So just their minds just jumping around everywhere. So first things first is to I- have ideal lifestyle factors mm-hmm. because that can impact your stress levels. So your lifestyle factors are got to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, um, guided meditations can be really good um, for just helping reduce the monkey mind a little bit. So you know the way I the way I sort of describe uh, meditation is that well the way I try and teach it is around a watchtower approach. So you're kind of like sitting on this watchtower and you're kind of watching your thoughts from mm. afar. Um, now when people first start meditating there is lots of thoughts you know it's almost like a glass which has got like lots of mud in it and like a water of lots of mud in it you're just going to wait for that mud to kind of or the dirt to just kind of sink down to the bottom so you can see clearly through the glass so mm. it takes time it doesn't happen straight away um, but the guided meditations can be excellent and then over time um, ideally losing the guided meditations if people are really struggling mm. um, again lifestyle factor is really important but um, like a tai chi or chi gong practice can be really really good Mm. as well so you're actually doing some slow movements Mm -hmm. um and there's lots of different options for tai chi and qigong these days there's there's teachers you know almost everywhere Mm. um there's a really good book called the harvard medical school guide to tai chi um so that's a a a guy that's in the harvard medical school faculty that teaches tai chi as well tai chi instructor so he goes through a lot of different moves and he goes through like loads of different science about it as well
1: and um it's accumulative, isn't it? Meditation, the more you do it, the better the results.
0: Definitely the better you yeah. get at it. Yeah, yeah. The, you'll find that. You know how I, I just use that analogy around if you put a little bit of dirt in the glass, mm. it just t- takes some time to settle down. Um, that dirt will become quicker and quicker going down the glass and things will become clearer and clearer so um, but you also uh, an individual might go through phases like they might feel oh I'm getting this I'm getting really good but just depending on what life throws at them or what they're going through they might go through a period of pretty a little bit of toughness like oh my god I just want to stop this meditation right now it is so hard Yeah. Um, yeah so ideally you kind of try and work through that as best as possible
1: so if you do find that like oh I'm, you're, you're trying to meditate and you think all oh, this meditate <laughs> this is going to sound odd i know there's been times when i've thought oh, i can't meditate it's getting in the way of my thinking which is ridiculous because it's the purpose is that you just let the thoughts come and go and stop getting on the train mm-hmm. um but, medit- but but trying to to just push through that a little bit and just keep going that
0: That would be that would be ideal it's it's just around you currently working through some things so um, currently like you know you'd be observing your thoughts watching your thoughts from afar some of them might have quite a high emotional charge and you just have to ideally work through that and then literally just letting that go And by the end of your meditation, however long it is, Mm. I'm sure you'll feel a lot better for it. Um, So meditation, like I mentioned before, has been shown to increase the production of alpha waves. Mm -hmm. um, And that's around being sort of present in the now, being the power of now. Mm. um, And that's where the concept of sort of mindful practice comes in. So really just being aware of what's going on right now and what are you engaging in.
1: Yeah, fabulous. Um, Okay, so to wrap up, Sleep should be one of our number one priorities in terms of self-care. There's no doubt about that. Is there? Yeah,
0: there's there's no cheating it, and there's there's yeah. challenges to it. Um, mm. there's challenges with people with mental health. Um, and there's also challenges I think with people and their boundaries around it. Um, but I think it really is the number one. There's there's just no cheating it. Um, if you can kind of think from a a nature perspective, it makes no evolutionary sense to knock off eight hours and and have predators walking around you, right? So that's just how important it is yeah. and how valued it is. It's it's got to be there.
1: Yeah, it's Mm. essential. And the recommendation of, so between seven and nine hours, so eight. Um, ideally is what we should be striving for well, eight the, hours of good quality sleep
0: yeah what we should be striving for um but everyone will change a little bit throughout that band so um, I'd say people under you know high stress that are able to sleep might even sleep more that are mm. sort of like just really throwing their bodies around um also and stress could also be like level of activity so like elite athletes um, generally need longer sleep as well yeah. so we're talking about a broad range of seven to nine but I'd say Really, no, no more than less than seven, ideally.
1: Yeah. Can you sleep too much, do you think? Um, obviously, with mentally illness, with, with depression, sleeping all the time yeah. is, is symptomatic. But do you think that just generally you can sleep too much?
0: Uh, yeah. So you, you, you sort of nailed it on the head there. So um, a lot more sleep has been linked with depression. So that's just an indication of being out of balance. Um, and to be honest, you can do anything too much. You know, yeah, you can drink okay. too much water, yeah. um, you can have yeah. too much sleep. So, yeah. so yeah, definitely um, there can be too much sleep, but I'd say there's an underlying factor there of why is there so much sleep. Yeah. Um, what's what's leading to that because it's not actually natural. Mm. Um, is it, you know, a, a simple thing or is it something that that person might just lack a certain direction at that point in time and have no reason to get up yeah. um, is yeah. probably one of the main symptoms. Yeah,
1: very true. Okay, so... <clears throat> Sleep is a number one priority for good overall health and to protect our mental health. Yep. yeah. Between seven and nine hours. Try not to eat a huge meal before we go to bed.
0: Okay, good tips. Um, I like these yeah. summaries. Like this this is just tina. thinking like about where tina. do we this go?
1: Yeah. <laughs> where do we go? What do we know? Um, meditation before bed. The best time really is when the sun's going down. If we can try and aim to do our meditation when the sun's starting to go down. Mm.
0: But I, I, I'd almost say you are correct. You've, you've interpreted that correctly, but then also just when you can fit it in because yeah, it, it can be okay. hard for people. Yeah. yeah you, don't, you don't have to strive for perfectionism. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Um, avoiding too much alcohol, t- no coffee, d- c- caffeine, stimulants before bed mm-hmm. is good. Um, dark room, mm-hmm. good temperature.
0: Yeah so between um 15 to 20 degrees yeah. um would be ideal.
1: Yeah. Um and um we can be different in terms of some people are early risers just naturally anyway mm. and some people will need mm. We'll go to bed later and be mm. up earlier in the morning. So mm. we need to pay attention to ourselves mm. um, to, to get the best kind of insight into how we can improve our sleep and get better sleep. Yeah.
0: Yep. 100%. And, and you kind of nailed a really good point there. Just pay attention to yourself, um, yeah. not just with sleep, but with everything, you know, yeah. just being really self-aware of, of what's going on and, and how you can be most productive
1: and I don't think I need to worry about waking up with a song in my head every day as no, long as it's not the same right. just song through some that's fine yeah <laughs> yeah I'm gonna look on the bright side of life today because that was my song um okay thank you so much for coming in and talking about sleep as you can see it is a topic that is kind of really important to me having struggled for so long mm. with sleep and not know mm. why um so really really grateful Mark for you coming in thank you so much thank
0: you Tina pleasure If you enjoyed this podcast and you would like us to appear in your feed, please hit the subscribe button and you're also welcome to leave us a review. For more information,
1: visit careerdevelopmentcentre.com.au.